Well, good morning. I'll try it one more time. Good morning. That was better. Good. Good to see you all this morning on a beautiful Sunday. I think it's supposed to get really hot this week, and uh, I've got three soccer games I'm coaching this week, and uh, so I'll be more pink than I am now, I'm pretty sure, which is okay. That's all right. And uh, so it looks like it's going to be nice and warm, but they say it's like you get fall, and then it goes back to summer in the middle of summer, and then back to fall. I don't know. Pastor's probably got some work. Indian summer, is that what he calls it? I don't remember. No, that's in the spring. Uh, Something like that. Pastor has all these words for it. I don't know. First frost. There you go. I don't know. Who knows? Something like that. It's supposed to be hot this week. That's what I know. So good to have you here with us, and uh, good Sunday morning. Had a good Sunday school hour this morning. And uh, as you know, Pastor is not here this morning. Uh, He will be back tomorrow. And so pray for them as they travel back tomorrow. He and Mel from Pennsylvania spending time with their uh, kids out there. So looking forward to being back with us here. Um, A couple announcements. Uh, first of all, someone found a bracelet. It's not mine. And so uh, it was found out under the awning. So if you're missing a bracelet, I'm assuming it's a lady's. Uh, it's got b- pearls and it's very small. So it'll be up here if you want to come get it after the service. So uh, that was out, f- out front. Someone found it this morning. So if that's yours, it's right here. So uh, looking forward to seeing whose that was. But you can Come to me quietly if you'd like. So, all right, welcome to those that are visiting us for the first time. It's good to have you joining us. If you're here for the first time in person, please stop by our welcome desk on your way out. We have a gift we'd like to give to you. Get a record of your visit here, and uh, looking forward to getting to know you better. If you're joining us for the first time online, please go to sbtnd.org/contacts, or you can scan the QR code there on your screen. And I would like to get a record of your visit there as well. Our youth group this Wednesday night is parent night, so teens and all of your parents need to be there. Uh, The youth staff has been working really hard to get this as kind of their fall kickoff, and so looking forward to hearing from uh, youth director David. I think that's how he'll be running it. And uh, so they're looking forward at 645 to 815 for all the teens and their parents in the fellowship hall. So looking forward to that, so make sure teens and parents are aware of that. And then Dennis and Diana Hazelwood are missionaries of the week. I have I forgot to look at their uh, last update, but I do know Miss Diana is battling with pneumonia, and so we're praying for them. And I know uh, I think the Hearts are planning to make a trip down there. If they're not there right now, I don't think the Hearts here are they. They are on their way down. Uh, just help with that ministry down there. So be praying for them as they're getting settled in and uh, really starting to invest at the fort there as well. One more announcement: If you haven't heard, um, Paul Sharon passed away yesterday morning. And uh, so they're working on funeral arrangements. Everything is tentative right now. Um, They will be meeting officially with the funeral home tomorrow. And so we'll be able to give uh, concrete details tomorrow. And so be watching Facebook and all that stuff as well. But the funeral will be here. Um, But the plan right now is for the funeral to be on Friday. Uh, Visitation from 10 to 11 and then the funeral from 11 to noon. Okay. And so um, that's just tentative right now. We'll give you more details as that time comes. But be praying for the Sharon family. It was... Not, it wasn't unexpected, um, but still never easy to lose a loved one. And I know Paul Sharon meant a lot to, to a lot of people here. And so uh, just be praying for the Sharon family. And uh, as the funeral details um, start to come together, uh, we'll give you more details of that comes. We just wanted to make you aware. It's looking like Friday morning, um, but we'll give you concrete details that, uh, when we are made aware of them tomorrow. So um, we'll have the ushers come forward at this time to receive this morning's offering. I'm going to ask Brother Chuck if he would... Pray for the offering and for the Hazelwoods as well. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you that you love us and that you're involved in our lives. Thank you for our church and for our pastors and for the ministry here. I pray that you'll continue to bless it. Bless this offering as we give it to further this ministry. 
Lord, we thank you for our missionaries and for their sacrifice and their service. And pray for the Hazelwoods that you'll be with them as they begin their ministry there in Missouri and as they continue with deputation as well, that you'll meet their needs and bless them. Pray for the Sharon family, that you'll comfort them. Thank you, Brother Paul, and for his testimony. Pray that will continue to bless and reach folks for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, David. See, it's, it's different to hear how great thou art done in a meditative manner. Usually you think that song was just bombastic. How great. And praise God. And then to meditate on it gives you a new, know, new reflection on how great is our God. He is our strength. He is our foundation. He is our sure defense. He will help us withstand in this world and that is what we are singing about today is the strength and the the solid foundation that we have in Jesus Christ let's stand and we'll sing together take the name of Jesus with you
chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets and the holy scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world, for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit and the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. May the Lord prosper his word, whereto he sent it, you may be seated. All right, let's join in singing together now, How Firm a Foundation. How
They keep the score.
wonderful, wonderful day, day I will never forget. After I wandered in darkness away, Jesus my Savior I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend, he met the need of my heart. Shadows dispelling with joy, I am telling, he made all the darkness depart. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole, my sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Born of the Spirit with light from above, into God's family divine. Justified fully through Calvary's love, oh what a standing is mine. And the transaction so quickly was made, when as a sinner I came. Took of the offer of grace he did proffer, he saved me, oh, praise his dear name. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole, my sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Now I've a hope that will surely endure after the passing of time. I have a future in heaven for sure, there in those mansions sublime. And it's because of that wonderful day when at the cross I believe. Riches eternal and blessings supernal from his precious hand I receive. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul, filled my soul. Amen. Thank you, guys. We were just talking about that this morning in our Sunday school class with the college group about our salvation and the hope that we can have. And uh, it's incredible the fact that we don't have to burden ourselves because it's not about what we do. And it's about the fact that Jesus Christ came and made me whole, right? Nothing that I can do in my, in myself to make myself whole. And uh, just the peace that that brings, the joy that that brings, and the hope, the confidence that we can have in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Before I get started, I want to mention we have some missionaries with us today, uh, Aaron and Rachel. Am I right? Yeah. Aaron and Rachel Houts, they are headed to Alaska. They will be presenting tonight during the service, uh, but their table is out there, so please stop by. Make sure you get to know them. Don't let them stand by themselves, all right? Make sure you get to know them and... Uh, meet their kids. Their kids are adorable, and uh, get to know their kids and them as they're here for the day. They'll be here tonight to present their ministry. All right, turn to Psalm chapter 46. Psalm chapter 46. As you're turning there, um, I found out a 
I don't know, a couple weeks ago, that pastor was going to be gone, and uh, he chose the perfect week, right, right after Pastor Andrew leaves, and uh, all the interns leave, and I have no one to pass this off to, and uh, so it was just me, right, and so like, all right, Pastor, I guess thanks for leaving, and uh, so he's, uh, he's excited to be back, but um, so I think David is actually going to preach tonight, uh, Youth Director David. I was like, I don't really feel like preaching three times in a, in a day. I don't know how Pastor does it every week. Um, so David's going to preach tonight, but I got the opportunity to preach this morning, and as I was preparing this week, I was praying, Lord, what would you have me to preach? And um, so often it's hard to preach just one sermon. Uh, if you've ever preached before, um, it's easier to do a series than it is to do a one-time preaching, um, because you can do anything, and the whole Bible is open to you. And uh, there's a lot of things in the Bible I can preach from. And so as I was praying this week, Lord, just give me what, what you would have me to preach. And um, he, he brought me to this chapter. And uh, as I look around in our church, it's been a really tough year. It has been a really tough couple weeks, couple months for people in our church. Uh, we've, we've had, we started the year in January uh, with Caleb Klingman's funeral. And uh, if you were there for that, that was not an easy one. And uh, our teenagers have been through a bunch this year. And uh, so we started with that, and then we had some more funerals throughout, right? Pastor Hughes, Miss Beverly, things going on. And then we get to the summer, and it's like, all right, the summer's crazy and busy. And uh, we had a funeral for DeAndre and Jane's mom. And that was, uh, that was a tough one. And then right after that, we find out that the Solerics are leaving. And it's like, man, Lord, what are you doing? Right there is a lot going on. And the things that we thought were stable in our church are being shaken. And so as I'm praying, Lord, what would you have me to preach? He, I was reading this uh, as I was going through my devotions, and it just it hit me that this was what the Lord would have me to preach. And so we're going to read through Psalm chapter 46. In this passage, um, the psalmist talks about how we, as Christians, can keep from living furiously, frantically, and fearfully in a world that is full of turmoil, change, and all the troubles that we have in this world. And so we're going to work through this passage, just the, the, whole, the whole, ver, whole chapter, 11 verses. Uh, so let's read the passage, we'll pray, and then we'll jump right in. All right, Psalm chapter 46, verse 1 says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river... The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease until the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow, and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful that we have a God like you. That though things on this earth change and are troubled, um, and we may be frantic and we may be fearful and we may not know the future, Lord, we know, we know a God that does. And we have a God that we can trust. And uh, Lord, we are so thankful that you are guiding and directing and orchestrating and that your will is perfect, even though we don't understand sometimes. And Lord, I pray you'd help us as we work through this passage this morning, Lord, to help me to be clear. Lord, help it to be your words, not my own. Help me to not speak too quickly. And Lord, help me just be able to um, 
bring out what you've wanted us to hear from this passage this morning. Help our hearts be open and attentive to what you have to say. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so this psalm has become a personal favorite of mine um, as I've studied it. Um, for those who don't know, I have my master's in counseling, and so I do a lot of counseling. And um, this is a passage that I have come to often. Um, because it starts at the beginning, and it talks about all the different troubles that go on, right? We're going to look at calamities. We're going to look at some physical calamities, some political frustration, some political confusion, and all the things that are going on. And it, it really describes our society. And as we look in our church especially, we've had some really difficult things. And I don't even know all the things that all of you in this church are going through. But I know that there are difficulties. There is upheaval. There is turmoil. There's change in the hearts and lives of people in this room. And yet, the psalmist here says, you know what, I can still trust God, and I can live in a way that trusts God. I can live without fear. I can live without being frantic and furious in a world that constantly changes around us. And what we're going to look at today is how we can do that, right? So we're going to look in verse number one. It starts off with an incredible beginning to the, to the chapter. Look in verse number one. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, the phrase, God is our refuge and strength, carries the idea that God is a shelter to flee to and a source of strength for those who are weak and defenseless. You ever feel weak and defenseless? Right? Things that are out of your control. Um, I know so often we come to something, and, and I'm, I'm one that likes to be in control. Right? You can ask my wife. I like to be in control of things. I've got everything, all my ducks in a row when I can. Right? Uh, I know everything down to the cent for what we're making, what we're spending, our budget, everything. Right? Unless I go seven weeks without knowing I'm being paid, but that's a different story. Um, Okay, I'll stop there for a second. So last summer, uh, something was mixed up with the, the accounting, and so for like seven weeks, I wasn't being paid like, I was being paid like 40% of my, my normal pay. I didn't even realize it, just went in direct deposit. And so I was like finally having time to do my budget, and I called Todd. I was like, Todd, for some reason, I'm not being paid uh, full, full payment. He's like, how long has this been going on? Seven weeks? <laughs> He's like, you're just now seeing that? I'm like, yeah, apparently I don't have time to look. So... Outside of that, I typically know what's going on in my life, right? And, so, and yet, so often, things come up that are outside of our control, right? There's a death in the family, right? Loss of a job, sickness, youth pastor leaving, right? Things change and things that we cannot control. And it's at that, those moments where I feel weak, I feel defenseless, and I feel helpless. And that's what he's talking He starts off the whole chapter, right? Before getting into all the problems that happen, he starts off by saying, you know what? God is our refuge and our strength, right? He's a place where we can flee, and he's our source of strength for those that are weak and defenseless, right? It's a shelter that we can cling to. And then the next phrase says this, a very present help in trouble. Now, we're going to work our way backwards through this phrase, all right? So the word trouble covers all that may cause us to worry or to sorrow over, right? This can be different for various people, right? Anything that can cause us to worry or sorrow over, that's that concept of trouble, and then he says the word help, right? So a very present help in trouble. So help means aid or assistance. Okay, so it's help in the midst of things that cause us to sorrow or worry over, fret over. The word present means is found or has been found. So rather than just the fact that God is near us, which he is, this word carries the idea that he has always proved himself to be faithful in every time that I've needed his help. There's never been a time in our lives that we have needed God and he wasn't there. He has proved himself over and over and over again to be faithful. And that's what he's saying here. The psalmist here is saying, you know what? In the midst of my trouble, whatever causes me to worry or fret, I have help, that aid or assistance. And it comes because Jesus Christ has always been there. He's faithful. He's never once failed me when I needed his assistance, right? And then the word very, right? He says a very present help in trouble. The word very carries the idea of emphatic 
or exceedingly powerful and effectual. So this phrase has the idea of this. God has always proved himself faithful as an exceedingly powerful help in any trouble that might cause us to worry. Right? What an incredible way to start this psalm. Right? He's about to go into all these terrible things that are outside of our control that we would never imagine. Right? The most solid things in our lives are changing. He's going to go through that in a couple of verses. But he starts off psalm by saying this. You know what? God's always proved himself to be faithful. And he's always proved himself to be powerful and able to help in any way that we need, any trouble that we may have, right? Sometimes we think, well, this is just a small trouble. It's not a big deal. God is there. Maybe, man, this one's too big. I don't even think God can help. God is there. And he's always proved himself faithful every single time to be a very present help in our trouble. And so then he says in verse 2, therefore. Now, I've always heard this. You've probably heard this too. When the word is therefore, you look back to find out what it's Therefore, right? And so we just talked about verse number one, right? Verse one says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Because of that, what does he say here? We will not fear, right? He starts off by saying, hey, if you don't want to be fearful, this is what we have to focus on, verse number one. Because God is our shelter to run to in times of need, because God has always shown himself to be faithful in every problem that I have, because of that fact, I don't have to fear, and then he's going to go in here about all the different calamities and all the different fears that we could have, right? And so he says, therefore, right? The psalmist uses the word therefore 42 times in the book of Psalms. And he uses the word because extolling the greatness of God was never meant to stand alone, right? We're supposed to praise God for who he is. That's great. But it's never supposed to stop there. I don't praise God, well, God, you are a very present help in trouble. Great. And then I go on with my life. I praise God for who he is, and it's meant to then change the way that I live in light of that fact. Right? We're never meant to praise God and stop there. It's supposed to be praising him, and that should change the way that we live. Right? As I counsel people, that's what I always go with. Right? We start with who God is, the fact that he is a very present help in trouble. But it can't stop there, right? because our problems are often brought on by our own shortcomings. And so it starts with, I look at who God is, and I praise him for who he is. But because of that, because I know who he is, I ought to live in a different way. In light of who he is, I should change my actions, right? And so he's, therefore, we will not fear. Now, he gives the calamities here at the end of verse 2 and verse 3. Look at the second half of verse number 2. He says, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. So these are some of the most immovable objects in our world, right? The earth it's pretty solid, right? I'm standing on it pretty solid, right? Mountains, if you've ever seen mountains, we were out in Utah this summer. They're beautiful, but they are massive, right? And I can't go up and push one and it moves, right? It is pretty immovable, right? It doesn't move pretty easily. The waters, right? Very powerful. Uh, if you've ever been to the ocean and you've been smacked by a wave, you know how powerful the water is, right? These are some of the most powerful immovable objects that we can think of, the psalmist can think of. And yet, these immovable objects are being shaken and falling apart. Right? Look in verse number two. Though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, the, the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Right? The words that he uses here, the Hebrew words, shake, roar, troubled, they're some of the most for, forceful words that he could think of. Right? And so think in our own lives, right? Tornadoes, hurricanes, physical calamities, right? Think of the fires in, in uh, Hawaii right now, right? The devastation that that's caused. Some of these big calamities that can bring fear to a lot of people, right? Maybe there's a sickness that is beyond your control. 
Maybe there's a death. These are big, big things. Someone leaving, right? These are big, immovable things that all of a sudden are shaken forcefully. And yet he's able to say, therefore, we will not fear. We're going to get to why he's able to say that in a little bit. So first of all, we can have joy in the midst of calamity. Second of all, we can have joy in the midst of political confusion. Look at verse number four. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. So that phrase, there is a river. Now, there's two different schools of thought where this could be. So this could either be the river Kidron, which runs right by Jerusalem, okay? Or it could be the waters of Shiloh, which ran through this, the middle of the city of Jerusalem and supplied it with water. Now, there's differentiates. People believe different things. But either way, the focus of this is not which river it is. The focus of it is this. The picture is that God refreshes his people in the midst of difficult circumstances, right? So he just got done saying, the earth's being removed, the mountains are being carried in the midst of the sea, all these big things, these terrible calamities. He's about to go into political calamities here in a second, political confusion. He says, you know what? But in the middle, there's a, there's a river. God refreshes his people. Have you ever felt like you were just done in Christianity? I just, I, Lord, I'm done. I've, I've worked too hard and nothing seems to be working. Um, I coach uh, soccer over at Franklin Central High School. And there have been times where I feel like it is just not worth it. To be honest, I love soccer and I love being over there, but there are times my whole goal to be over there is to show Christ to these people that may not ever see another Christ-like example. And so my goal is to be over there to be a witness, to be a light, and there are times when I just feel like, Lord, it's, I'm not doing anything, right? These, these kids don't seem to get it. They don't seem to listen to me anyways. My coaches aren't figuring things out, right? I'm trying to show Christ, but it's just not working. And, and I just feel exhausted. It's just, Lord, this isn't even... And usually at that point, God gives me something as a refreshing stream of water here, right? He brings someone that comes and says, hey, you're the pastor, right? Can I ask you a question? And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I'm refreshed. I know why I'm here. Maybe you're at work and you feel like, man, I just, every day I go into work and it doesn't seem like ever, anyone's ever, nothing's ever changing, doesn't seem like anyone's ever seen I'm a Christian. Maybe you've got a family member you've been praying for for years and years and years and years and years to get saved and it just doesn't seem like anything's happening. You bring up the gospel and they close it off the conversation and you're just frustrated. Maybe it seems like you've just been bombarded time after time after time again with trials, with calamities, right? He's saying here there's all these things that should be solid or not and I don't know where to find grounding in. What he's saying here is this, you know what? God's there to refresh us. He refreshes us through his word, through time spent with him. As I get into his word and I read about who he is and I start to understand who my God is, which we're going to talk about in just a couple of verses, it's refreshing. We just sang about Jesus Christ the righteous, right? I love that third verse where he says, he's an advocate for justice, right? He says, God, you've, you've punished me. But he also is an advocate for mercy, right? Let this guilty one go free. That guilty one he's talking about is me. And Jesus Christ, that's who he is. He provides peace. He provides joy. He provides peace that passes all understanding, right? In the midst of difficulties, we can have peace. Why? Because we know who holds the future. And he refreshes us through his word. So there's a river. And continue on verse number four. The streams whereof shall make the glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early, right? Because God is in our midst, we won't be moved. Even though in verse six, Right, all things are going on. Right, verse six says this: the heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. 
Now, this verse speaks of the political upheaval and confusion that they were having during this time, but does that not have, does it not describe our country today, right? The political upheaval, the confusion, the frustration, the immorality that goes on in our society today, in our politics, right? And now I'm not here to say you should do this or you shouldn't do this or you should vote this way. That's not at all why I'm here. I don't want to give any political actions to take, right? But what I do want to say is this. Christians should not lose sleep over who's in the White House or who's not. Because you know what? It's not about who's in the White House that controls the future. We have a God who is in the midst of us, therefore we're not going to be moved. Though all these things are happening, the heathen are raging, kingdoms are being moved. You know what? God's in control. And we can trust him because of that. I, I think of the book of Daniel, right? Daniel, the main theme of Daniel is this. God is in control and sovereign over the rulers and kingdoms of this earth. That's the theme of Daniel, right? You see throughout the book of Daniel, multiple kings rise and fall, rise and fall, and yet who's in control the whole time? God is. Right? We don't have to be afraid. Now, that doesn't mean I, don't, I sit back and let things happen, right? We are called to be responsible citizens of this country that we live in. And yet, at the same time, I don't have to be afraid of who's in the White House. Oh, man, I, I got to worry, I got to fear, right? I should not be living furiously, frantically, or fearfully despite what goes on in the White House. Because you know what? God is the one that's in control, and we have the ability to trust him. Because God is in the midst of us, we shall not be moved. Now, we can still have joy and peace because our hope should be in God and in sovereign control, not in whoever is in control of our country. And so he goes through and he says, you know what? You can have joy in the midst of calamities. You can have joy in the midst of political confusion. And then look at the end of verse 7. Right? Verse 7 says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. That word Selah, right? He, he uses it three times in this passage, right? Verse number 3, verse number 7, and verse number 11. And those verses are all very similar, right? And before he gets, begins to unpack how to get and keep what he describes in verses 1 through 7, right? The joy, the peace, the trust. Before he gets to that, how do we get that? He, he has a very important phrase here, and he says, Selah. Now, the word Selah has this idea. It was a musical mark used in Hebrew, and it has this phrase. It means this, take a breath or pause. Now, can I ask you this question? I'm asking myself this question. When was the last time I took a breath and paused from my busy life? Now, you can ask my wife. I'm one of those people that likes to go, 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 go all the time. And I don't stop until my head hits the pillow. And then once I wake up, I'm going again. And I don't remember anything in the middle of the night. <laughs> it's not good when your baby's crying, and I don't remember it at all. But um, you can apologize to my wife later, because I just don't wake up to it, right? But I go from the time I wake up to the time my head hits the pillow, and then I am out for about seven and a half, eight hours. <laughs> Maybe not even that sometimes, right? But I go, go, go. I've got to-do lists. I've got things to do. And I was just walking with one of our college kids, I think last Sunday, and he was like, hey, are you in a hurry? I'm like, no. He's like, you're walking really fast. I just walk fast, right? My wife always like, Brett, slow down. And she's like, grab me, slow down, slow down. I just, I walk fast, I talk fast, I apologize. Someone said to me this, this past week, Brett, make sure you speak slow on Sunday morning. Because I typically just get going, right? I get going, I get going fast, but I do everything quickly. That's just the way I do, I do life, right? Better be efficient and go, right? Don't want to sit around and waste time. And yet, I'm missing this. I go, 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 go all the time. And I miss a very important part of this passage. Before we can get to how do we have this joy and peace, 
we've got to do this first. Because we're going to look in just a second where he says, come behold the works of the Lord, which is a long, unhurried look. I can't do that without taking a break and pausing. I need to pause and spend some time in God's presence. We can get so busy. We get so busy in our lives. We fill it up with so many things. And when was the last time I stopped and I got before God and I just took a breath? Right? We can get so caught up in the calamities, in the frustrations, in the political confusion. Right? Psalm chapter 77 is another one that I love to go to. We're not going to turn to it. But at the beginning of Psalm chapter 77, the psalmist is like, God, I'm crying out to you and you're not listening because all these things are going on. Have you forgotten me? Have you got forgotten to be gracious? Have you forgotten all these things? And he's just like pouring out like, ah, he's kind of freaking out. And if we're not careful, we can become like that when this, the earth's being moved, when the mountains are being carried, when all these changes are going on in our lives. We can, if we're not careful, get caught up in freaking out, Lord, what are you doing? And our trust isn't there. Why? Because we're so wrapped up in all that's going on. We've got to pause, take a breath. In the midst of a busy world, right? Everything can be done just like that nowadays, right? How many times have you been saying, oh man, what, what's that movie that we were talking about? Oh, hold on. I got it. And 0.2 seconds, there's like 7.3 million results, right? How quickly we try to get so many things done in a day, and yet we miss the fact that we need to pause take a breath. He's going to get to two things that we have to do in just a second. And both of them involve this concept of being still and pausing. And if you're anything like me, that's not easy. Sometimes I go, 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 and oh, I got to have my devotions, and I get to my devotions, and I'm still thinking about the 17 other things I'm supposed to do. I don't pause. I don't take a breath. Right? And he, he, before he gets into how can we have this peace, this joy in the midst of terrible things going on, how can we have that? We've got to pause. We've got to take a breath. We fill our days with as many things as possible. And when I come to my daily time with the Lord, my mind's being drawn away to the million other things I have to do. And so in order to obey these next two commands that he's going to give us, we're going to finish with, we've got to pause and take a breath. So after he says pause, right, take a breath, look in verse number eight. He gives us two commands that we're to follow. If we want to get this peace, this joy that the psalmist has found, he gives two commands that we have to follow. Look at verse number eight. Come behold the works of the Lord. Right? This phrase, come behold, means this. A long, unhurried look at his word. When's the last time you spent a significant amount of time in God's word? Taking a long, unhurried look. Well, pastor, I just don't have time. You don't know what my schedule looks like. Yeah, we make time for a whole lot of things. Are we making time to take time to get into God's word and take a long, unhurried look. There's so much going on around us. There's so much upheaval. There's so much turmoil. There's so much frustration. There's so much confusion. And yet, the way we get peace in the midst of that is by spending time in God's word. So he says, come behold the works of the Lord. So come behold a long, unhurried look. And then the works of the Lord are the mighty acts of God. Right? God is incredibly powerful and mighty. Think of Isaiah in chapter, Isaiah chapter number 6 right? This is where he sees God high and lifted up in his train filled the temple, right? And what is Isaiah's response? Woe is me. And so often I think that in our world today, God is so often portrayed as that buddy-buddy friend that we can go to 
that we miss the fact that he is high and lifted up. And you know what? When we start focusing on the fact that God is my friend, which he is, and God's my buddy, and God's my, we forget that he is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present. And that brings joy and peace. Right? When all these things are going on, if I just have a friend that's in control, that's not quite as confident as I am if I have the God who's all-powerful, the creator of the universe, in control of all these things. Right? He says, come, behold the mighty acts of God. Take a long, unhurried look at what God has done. Because when we see God for who he is, you know what's going to happen? What was me? No longer am I trying to control the things I'm supposed to control. No longer am I trying to figure things out myself. I am a fixer to the max, right? And my wife hates it sometimes because she just wants to tell me her problems and I try to fix them. I'm not supposed to, right? I'm learning, okay? But I'm a fixer. Someone comes and asks me a problem and I got some, I got some answer for it. And yet, there are things that we can't fix. There's death, there's sickness, there's loss that we can't fix. And we've got to come and behold the works of God, the mighty acts of God, because he is the one that is, at the beginning of the chapter, a very present help in trouble. He's always been faithful. He's always proved himself to be faithful. So you know what? I can come to him and say, you know what? I trust you. But I've got to view his mighty acts, right? We often enjoy studying the New Testament, right? Because it's written for the church, which is great. But the Old Testament is so vitally important because it lifts up the greatness and mighty acts of God for his people. All throughout the Old Testament, God is doing this incredible thing for his people, this incredible thing, this incredible He's bringing them out of captivity. He's leading them through the wilderness. He's bringing them across the Red Sea on dry ground. He's leading them across the Jordan River on dry ground. He's bringing them into the promised land. He's doing all these incredible things. You know what? That's the same God that I serve. And when I study his mighty acts and I see what he's done, wow, that brings confidence that I don't have to worry about my struggles here because God is able. He's a very present help and trouble. But we also can include in that the works that the Lord has done in my lives that we so easily forget. Right? Psalm chapter 77, I just mentioned it a second ago. It says, I will remember the works of the Most High. We so often forget. Right? I am a very forgetful person. My calendar is filled up with reminders to talk to so-and-so and text this person and take out the trash and all these things. Right? I forget really easily. And I think we do that even more in our spiritual life. Right? When's the last time you looked back and saw all the answers to prayer that God has done for you? Right? God, I, I don't feel like you're listening to me. I don't feel like you're answering me. And then we look back and, oh, wow, he answered this one and this one and this one and this one and this one. And we forgot. Right? Come behold the works of the Lord. And then skip down to verse number 10. Second command here, right? First one, come behold the works of the Lord. Second one here, right? This one's always on everyone's wall when you walk into a house, right? This is a very popular verse, right? Be still and know that I am God. The phrase be still is not just to be quiet, but to stop striving to be in control. Like I said before, we love to be in control. And all of a sudden we look in our world and things happen that are out of our control, and yet we still try to strive to be in control. Well, I've got to fix this one. I can do this. I can do this. We've got to be still. Stop striving to be in control. You know what? Because God is the one that is in control. Right? It says be still and know. If we want to have peace and courage in the midst of calamities, we need to stop seeking to be in control and rest in God's sovereignty. Right? There may be people in this room that are going through really difficult circumstances that are out of your control. You know what? The way that you don't get peace is by striving to be in control. That just breeds frustration. Right? Because you can't be in control of some of these things. So he says, be still. And the way that we can be still is by knowing that I am God. Right? This is not just a head knowledge. This is an intimate knowledge so you can rest and relax in his presence. 
So a question for you is this. Do you know God intimately, or do you just know information about him? I think so often we get in church and we hear information about God and we grow up knowing about God and who he is. And I've got information about God. I can quote you verse after verse after verse. And I know all these things, right? I've taken Bible classes. And yet what, what we're missing is we're missing an intimate knowledge of him. And the way that comes is through come, behold the works of the Lord. So the question is this. How are we doing? Are we obeying the commands that are given in this psalm? We want joy, we want peace, we want <laughs> courage in the midst of these difficult times, and yet we try to do it without obeying the commands that the psalmist gives. Right? We so often like, I want this peace, I want this joy that God, he promises it to me, it promises it a peace that passes understanding, and yet we're doing all the wrong things to get there. Right? God, I want your promises, but I don't want to do what you asked me to do. Well, those don't, those don't compute, right? If I want the peace and the courage that God provides, I've got to do what he asks. And the way that, that is, is the, the two commandments here, right? Have I become so focused on the calamities or the political confusion that I've allowed my hope to rest on political leaders or peace in our world? Have we forgotten that God is sovereign and will bring his plans to completion? Or have you neglected taking a long, unhurried look at who God is and what he has done? Do we have knowledge about God and no intimate knowledge of him? Right? I don't know what it was that maybe the Lord spoke to you about this morning. For me, it's like the whole chapter, Right? We can have peace. We can have joy in the midst of really difficult things, right? There are difficult things going on in this room in people's lives. As a church, we've been through some really tough things this year. And yet we can have peace and joy. Why? Not because of ourselves. Not because of anything that we can, I'm just going to put on a brave face and go. Not because of anything that we do, but because, you know what? We have a God who we can trust. The question is, do we know him? Maybe you're here today and you say, I don't even know how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're talking about having this intimate knowledge of him, and I, I don't even know what that looks like. Well, the way that happens is this. You come to him and you say, you know what, Jesus, this is not about me. It's not about what I can do. It's not about the peace that I can bring. It's not about the joy that I can bring. I was just talking with someone this week, and uh, they were saying, you know what, I've, I've tried for so long to do good works to get to heaven. And you know what, I can say, well, you know what, that's a burden. No wonder you're miserable. No wonder you have no joy or peace. You know, it's all on you. And I fail all the time. If it were up to me, I would not be on my way to heaven. But it's not because of me. It's because Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on Calvary, rose again three days later to prove his power over sin and death. Why? So that I can have a relationship with him and a confidence, a hope in eternity. So if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that's the first step. Before you can even have any idea of what this peace and joy looks like, you've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that intimate knowledge of him. So if you don't know it, that you're on your way to heaven this morning, please come see me. I'll be here at the end of the service. Please come with, see the person you came with. We would love to, to show you how you can have this joy and peace. It comes only through a knowledge of Jesus Christ, not through my own works, not through putting on a brave face. It comes through Jesus Christ and him alone. But maybe you're a believer here this morning and you're saying, you know what, I've really been living furiously, frantically, and fearfully. How are we doing? We have to come behold the works of the Lord. Right? See who God is, what he's done. He's shown himself to be a very present help in trouble. So therefore we won't fear. But have we come and beheld his works? See what he's done. We've forgotten what he's done. And then are we striving to be in control? Be still and know intimately 
and I am God. Right? God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Heads bowed and eyes closed. And you say, Pastor Brad, I don't, I don't know what's going on in my world. <laughs> there are frustrations, there's confusion, there is upheaval, there's change, and, and I don't know how to handle it. And, and what I heard this morning was exactly what I needed. I, I have not been trusting in him. I have not been still. I have not taken that pause. I haven't been beholding the works of the Lord. And I don't know what it is for you this morning, but how many would say, Pastor Brett, the Lord spoke to my heart this morning, and, and I need to get some, some changes going on in my life. I need to start focusing on who God is and less on myself. If that's you, would you raise your hand this morning? Thank you. Hands all across the place. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor Brett, I, I don't think I can get that joy and peace because I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ in the first place. I've never placed my faith and trust in him alone to save me. In him alone for my confidence for me to have a return relationship with him. If that's you this morning, that's the most important decision you'll ever make. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you because that's the most important decision you'll ever make. That's the first step. You can't have joy or peace that we talked about this morning in the midst of all these things without a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning and you say, I just don't know, Pastor Brett, would you, would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand this morning? All right. To a room full of believers, right? How are we doing? Are we being still and knowing that he is God? Are we coming beholding the works of the Lord? He's trustworthy. He's able to be trusted, right? Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful that you are a God who is in control. You are a God who does mighty, mighty acts. You are worthy of our trust. You are worthy of our praise. And Lord, we can rest in you. Or in the midst of difficulties, or there are difficult things going on in hearts and lives in this room. And yet, Lord, in the middle of those, in the midst of those difficulties, we can have joy and peace if we trust in you. And we come behold your works and we are still and know that you are God. Intimate knowledge of you. Lord, I pray you be with this invitation and be with our uh, service this evening as well. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. The altar is open if you would like to come. Uh, you can also pray your seat as well. But we will sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Oh, soul, are you right? The things of earth grow strangely dim. Right? That's how we get that joy and peace because you know what? We're not looking about the frustrations around us. We're looking at Jesus Christ. He's the one that can satisfy. He's the one that brings joy and peace. And uh, So I hope this week that you'll spend some time taking that pause. Right? I know things are busy. Build in your time to take that pause, to take a long unheard look at who God is. Right? Because he's the one that alone can bring joy and peace. All right, tonight, we'll be back here tonight, 6 p.m. 
Uh, we'll have our missionaries presenting as well, but please stop by their table on the way out. Also, there are, I think only thing that are left out there are squash. Please take those. Um, I came in Wednesday morning, and uh, Miss Faith said, Brett, we have a problem, which of course always happens when the pastor's gone, right? I came in, and she said, yeah, so there were zucchini left out there, and they like oozed and seeped all over the floor. <laughs> it smelled terrible. Um, so I was out there, you know, cleaning the floor with like a carpet cleaner and spraying. So if you came in on Wednesday, it smelled like Lysol. That's probably why. Um, so please take them. I don't want to have to do that again. So although by that point, Pastor will be back. So let's, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so please take those. Those are for you guys to take. Go ahead and eat those. If not, we will be throwing them away. So please take them. Uh, first come, first serve. Uh, but tonight, six o'clock, we'll have the missionaries presenting. David will be preaching tonight. And I'm looking forward to hearing from him. The Lord bless you. Keep you, Lord, make his face shine upon you, give you peace. We love you. You are dismissed.